You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. You know, it's funny, in a corporate setting, you've probably been through this, they always have an icebreaker to get your mind flowing. One of their, their favorite questions is, if you could do anything that you wanted to do and could not fail, what would you do? So this evening, we're going to kind of explore that question with a little bit of a twist. It's going to be God's call on us. So let's, let, let's pray this for a second. Father, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit to come over us today. We call on the Spirit of God to lead us today where you have placed your destiny, your, our hope, our lives with you, Lord. Allow us to receive from you all the guidance, care, and protection as we step into this year's biggest challenges and make us see your plan for us in your kingdom. Amen. Last week we talked about how the point of intersection of heaven and earth, where the two come together, is actually in us. We are that point of the overlap of heaven and earth. So we're the intersection of the seen and the unseen. And we went into depth about that last week. And we watched God's pattern of God to return us to Eden in the sense that we, that we want to live in the presence of God and we want to live in, to, in the purposes of God. And so that purpose is what we we're ta- talking about when we talk about God's plan in the kingdom. Today we're going to try to dis- discern a little bit about our calling from God. We all know what the Great Commission is. That's to make disciples of all men. But, you know, we may struggle to understand God's individual strategy and his individual role for us in this. So that's what God's calling us to do. So I'm going to start today with a passage from Matthew 14. Very familiar passage. Verses. I'm just going to do the whole thing. 22 through 33. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at your Bibles. If you want to, it should be up here. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of, of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. That was the crowd that he fed 5,000 to, so they're all full and they're happy. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't you love a God that has proper grammar? Just, you know, (laughs) don't be afraid. Lord, it's you, Peter replied. Let me come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, and he was afraid, and and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So let's go back to our little icebreaker question. But maybe we should probably ask a different question. If you could do anything you wanted to, 
even if you fail, even if you receive no recognition, even if it's painful, and even if it's a struggle, is there something that so overwhelms your heart, mind, and soul that you're just compelled to do it? What would the divine call of God look like on us? What is that branding and that mark of God on you that even if you see it as unprobable unprob or risky, it pulls you to give everything you have to do it? What is his joy in you that connects your present to him with his future in you? There's one that stands above it all that is worthy of our whole life, whole heart, our whole story. One that leads us to take those uneasy steps because he sustains those he calls and only those who are called, he sustains. He leads us to call out, God, can I partner with you? In Isaiah 6, Isaiah isn't really called, he just overhears a conversation. And God's asking for people to be sent out. Isaiah hears an opportunity to walk alongside of God, wow. to partner with the creator of all things. And he cries out, I will go. And the Lord answers him, this is the Chuck version, no one will listen to you. You'll be met with stubbornness. No one will care. It will be a life of lack, pain, and frustration. And Isaiah answers, I'm in. Let's rock and roll. Dying on my. <laughs> okay, you, you read the King James. Let's rocketh and rolleth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to help the King James people. I love King James. <laughs> now, back on the boat, they act like they don't know Jesus. They ghost the ghost. They say, I don't recognize this guy. Peter speaks up, is it you? How can we be sure the call is of God? Is this a dream? Is something else pursuing me? Then we've got to do what Peter did and call out. God, is it you? Are you calling me to come? Then listen. Then feel your heart. So Peter asks, if it's you, command me. You see, Peter has to be sure it's Jesus. Now, Peter, he witnessed miracle after miracle. He saw the blind see, lepers were healed, lame walked, demons fleed. But he still wanted to know if the guy walking on the water is Jesus. I don't know how many water walkers he knows. Phil, is that you? I don't know why that just cracks me up. I just, anyway. But the others thought it was a ghost. And something that they thought was something, but it, see, a ghost looks real, but has no substance. Because there's no essence or reality in a mirage. Just the appearance of something. Hollow without a body, but it can seem real. And some of us have answered ghosts. They look like God's call in our life, but they're without substance. They have the appearance of reality without life in them. A career calls out to us. It says, I'll give you security, stability, position. I'll provide for you and your family. I will hold you in the struggle 
of financial storms, and I will give you comfort. I can be trusted for all your needs. So your career becomes your calling, and you give your lives to it. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not everything. Or possibly it's the ghost of community. And we give our lives to it. And, and so it, it's the call that it promises to surround you with loving, caring, protection, protect you from loneliness. They detract us with a sense of belonging and friendship. Gathering in community is wonderful. But a life driven for community might not be satisfying with everything. Then there's the big one. Then there's the voice of the cause. This is a very powerful voice. There are so many good causes, so many needs that are begging for us to roll up our sleeves and do good work. There is injustice, inequality, greed, and hate, all seeking for champions. So we enlist to overcome the wrongs of the world. We fight hunger, racism, abuse. It's noble and it's good, but it's not always a call. But if it's not a call of God, we'll become dissatisfied, drained, and burned out. Work becomes drudgery. Community becomes fractured. And the cause begins to feel hopeless. We cannot, they cannot fill us with the presence with the abundance. Only the call of God can mark us and hold us enriching and loving unfailingly. This is the call of Christ and only Christ. No doubt about it. We see so many burned out Christians trying to fulfill, be filled with duty and not the presence. So many that are shocked that they've been hurt by the community. Why should it shock you? They're people. What were you expecting? Others are filled with guilt because they don't want to continue in their fight. But guilt draws them to grudgingly continue. Now Peter steps toward this compelling power word, come, come to Jesus. For many of us, this will not be an instant thing. It might take time of wrestling in your mind and we want it to be our call, we're unsure, may not want it to be our call and we're still unsure. And for most of us, it's a process. But we really don't want a process. We want to know now. That was a pattern for me. God kept pulling me into something, and I really wasn't sure for a while. I'm like, God, you want me to be a teacher, a small group leader? I'm good as long as it's not a pastor. I'll do anything. <laughs> then there are those that get a calling, and it's like, boom. They know it. With my heard Rick's story, he sounds like one, at 15, he knew, boom, it happened. Now, he still had to walk in his calling and prepare for the end of the road, but they, they happened, I mean, I've run in two or three people, they knew the date of their calling. I wasn't even sure of the year, but. <laughs> so we listened to Peter. Lord, is it you? You ever sitting in the, have you ever been sitting in the church and you, and you see the spirit moving it's a good time to ask, Lord, tell me to come. Let him know you want to walk alongside of what he's doing. In that environment, God moving, you receive a stirring that you never knew was really there. Let something shift. 
Let ideas happen. That's what I say back again. That's what Peter, Peter was doing. Listen, 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 and listen to your heart. Then take steps, even if they're baby steps, while continuing to ask, God, can we partner here? God, I know you're going to do great. That's a great one to say every day. God, I know you're going to do great things today. Can I come with you? You know, God's going to do great things in China, Argentina, and he's going to do great things in central Ohio or central Indiana. God, can I be a partner? Now, I have about 62 things to help you identify your calling. We'll serve dinner at 7. Okay, it's about 5. First one is, the call of God will always take you beyond where you've been. So basically, you're unqualified. The call will take you into process. And like I said, people do not want process. They want purpose, but they don't want process. They want vision. They don't, they don't want a total disruption that it brings into their lives. God loves the process. He's totally about the process. They want to be with Jesus, but quite frankly, they really don't want to walk on the water. Understand one thing. Because the call takes you beyond, you're going to be separated. You're going to be set, set apart. Consecration and holiness is being set apart. Which sounds good. We all want to be set apart until we're set apart. I want to be set apart with these guys. But you set me apart over here. I want you to remember something that's really, 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 this is important. The enemy separates you to isolate you. God does it to educate you, to bond with you, to establish his identity, his design, and his purpose in you. So don't fear stepping away. Let go of the boat. God could change you in an instant, but he loves the time with you in the walk of process, tra causing transformation together toward your purpose. You know, I think of, uh, I've teased Gloria about this song. Remember when Oceans was really popular? And they sang it all the time. I always think about that because, you know, take me out on the waters where my feet won't fail. I'm like, I don't want to go. <laughs> when oceans rise, my soul will rest in your... When oceans rise... And this, they have us singing this out loud like Jesus can't hear. And then the, the, the one part, you know, where feet may fail and fear surrounds me. Who is this maniac writing this thing? <laughs> and we sing this stuff with joy. I mean, I had to get that in. I, when I was writing this, I wrote the notes on it because I thought, I, I, I'm sitting there going, does anyone really pay attention to this lyrics for just... We're binding ourselves to, you know, Jesus hears this stuff. So, but the call is always impossible. And it's always complicated. And it's always at the wrong time. Just count on it. The second thing is, the call is rarely understood by others. One of the worst things you can do is bounce your idea off of someone else. Now, I'm not talking about a good spiritual counsel. I'm just talking about, yeah, you start bouncing your ideas off of someone, and they're going to almost instantly try to talk you out of it. Or, which is, I think is equally bad or worse, that special, oh, well, that's nice. 
<laughs> then they'll ask you, are you really hearing from God? Are you sure? And, and you know, the call is the call is the call. Let it get confirmed in the aftermath. Okay? I mean, because they're going to question your motives. They're going to they're say you're caught up in some fanatical emotion. They'll, they'll say, oh, you're just trying to get attention. There goes Pete showing off again, walking on water, you know, <laughs> wanting everybody to watch him, you know. So you can't get your call by watching everybody else. God has given you a defined purpose, unique to you and him together. You're giving your yes to him without a career strategy. It's a yes. I, I, I threw that in because it's so funny. I just heard someone saying that they wanted to become a pastor so they could talk to, at all the conventions. And I'm like, you want the glory. You don't want the call. But, but <clears throat> you know, think about for some here, you know, your work might be your call. And God may have placed you in a place of darkness so that he can shine through you. Yeah. Might be a good way to get fired, but, but trust the Lord in this. For others, you may walk from one place and begin all over again in another place. And it may seem crazy, but you may walk away from success and step into a total struggle. Several here have heard of Jackie Pullinger. Uh, if you go to More Love, More Power, uh, this was a, she was a 19-year-old girl in 1966 when women in ministry was unheard of. Actually, instead, in those days, an, a, a good young teenage girl should be looking for a husband. That's what the thought was in those days. Jackie got on a boat sailing from England and got off when God told her and got off in Hong Kong. When she got off the streets of Hong Kong, she stepped into the streets that were full of poor, desperate opium addicts, and she began to make a difference one person at a time. This had never been done before. There was not a model or a plan to follow, just God. I doubt that her parents thought that was a good choice. I mean, how would you advise a 19-year-old girl? With great caution and great love, you'd probably say, you'd tell that nutcase to stay home. I don't know, I'm saying Jackie was a nutcase, but you know, that's what you would have done. So don't rely on that. Number three, you're always on your own for the first steps of your call. See, like Peter, God wants to see you, his, your eyes focused on him. He wants to see if you can leave your other loves for him exclusively in your call. Eventually, community will surround you, but first you must make that call, that walk alone. Then he can teach you his intimacy, trust, learn how to love and be loved. It's a time of reckless trust, be that finances, lifestyle, or encouragement from others. A time to trust the identity he has, he has in you for you that you are in his presence and you're in his purpose. The call, number four, always turns your storm into your story. It seems like all the shattered pieces of your life are gathered into God's hands 
and he moves it into your purpose. He takes all the brokenness of your past, all the things we've wrestled with, all the heartaches, all the things that we thought were wasted in our life and converts them into the gold and silver of our story. God, or Peter never dwells on the storm. He talks about the God that called him into his life. He talks about the God that got him through his storms. The moment you step into his call, his purpose begins to work out in your life. All your past will now become the very weapon used to destroy the works of Satan. Shame's replaced with power and brokenness is converted into wise counsel for the broken. Each and every circumstance in our lives is turned around for his glory. Many of us have come to know the presence of the Lord, but we thought our past had disqualified us for the purpose. God, through his, through his Son, has redeemed our past to be the very reason we find purpose in Christ. Romans 28, or 8, 28. Everybody knows this one. I love it. And as we all know, as we know that in all things, God works for the purpose, for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Those that have been called according to his purpose. I've got a Chuck version of that down here that I did Thursday night. <laughs> so if you want a copy of it. But in these moments, really this is where we see the connection of, of glory of God to his compassion. And we see compassion of God revealed in his glory. So the, number five, the call will always lead us to Jesus. Let me repeat that. The call will always lead you to Jesus. The call is always to him. The call has his pull and his power. The call is where he's moving and into what he is doing. Who wants to be a mover and a shaker unless our hearts are moved and our very beings are shaken? Who wants destiny without intimacy? Who wants influence without obedience? When your life work pulls you away from Jesus, it's really a time for reflection and prayer. God, what are you calling me to? Just remember, it's a call to him. The first step is to say, I'm coming. Like Peter, get out of the boat. Our calling is not about success, fame, or influence. I don't want to disillusion yourself and be set up. The calling is about obedience, sacrifice, and the suffering of the cross. There's no place that you will experience death to self more strongly than in your calling. But there's no place that you will experience your resurrected life more strongly than in your calling. You will live again. The song we just did, the freedom. You will nail it to the cross, all your sins, and be freed in him and risen, made alive in Christ. So seek his presence and hear his voice. Join in him what he's doing and then totally depend on him. Faith and trust will light every step of your journey. If you have a, a, a sense of your call, but you cannot put your finger on it, just exactly what it might be, God may be temporarily clouding it as he gives you callings, he gives you callings that may appear to be less grand. Let yourself be aware of those smaller things and pray into them. These are your training grounds. 
Be obedient in the small things so you can be blessed for the greater things. Don't, it's not in my notes, but you know, Psalm 139 actually makes the comments that how you're formed, how he knew you before you were actually shaped, and that you were already in the book. So sometimes he's giving you chapter 5 before he lets you know it's in chapter 9. The revelation and prophecy tells you chapter 9 ahead of time. Sometimes that's what prophecy is. It's giving you the chapters ahead in the book. You know, a whole lot of people in this room are already, a lot, a lot of you are walking on water. And I, I know you are here. And, and a whole bunch of you have one foot out of the boat already. You're just about. Most, I, almost everybody in here, I would say, are doing things that you would have thought impossible five years ago. I'm talking about some of the folks that have been members here a little while. You knew guys, you're going to be, in, we'll shake you up yet. <laughs> so, so this morning, we want to make space for the dangerous, courageous, and fulfilling call of God. We're intentionally asking for the joy of sharing in the things that God's doing. So at this time, you know, if some of you that are already walking in your call, Let's also be praying that we haven't gotten ourselves lazy, to, that we're sitting by the shore when we should be stepping into the valley of darkness, that we're stuck on chapter 5. So, so we're, for those of us who have already received a calling or moving in a calling, he's got more. All things. Remember that? All things. And that means we've got to make our dreams bigger. So here's what I'd like us to do. I made it short so we can really get in some ministry time here. Let's all get up, get in a position. Hold your hands out. We're going to really work to receive the Lord and what he, what is God doing right now that he wants you to be a partner in? It doesn't have to be changing the whole world, but it might be. There were just 12 goofy nutcases like people that lived in Mayberry that changed the world. God, we want your spirit to move over us. We want the revelation of your life and how we can partner. Can I partner with you in my job? Can I partner in my communities? Can I partner in what I'm already doing in my vocations and in my commitments? Can you broaden my vision into the impossible, into the impossible of God's vision for you? I'm seeking supernatural counsel. Lord, I'm seeking supernatural counsel. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.